Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Portside Sound Off Podcast today. I'm Josh Shemanoff. He is only the one and only Angel Ortega. A lot of stuff to talk about this week. UC Vegas 29, UC Vegas 30, Bellator, NBA, boxing, and much, much more. Before we get into that, I want to talk to you guys about Rogue Energy. Rogue Energy was founded January 2017 to be the best gaming drink in the world. They built a premium stack of the form of a delicious energy and focus drink. It's designed to replace unhealthy candidate drinks, caffeine, and even traditional pre-workouts. Rogue Energy is sugar-free and is loaded with vitamins, antioxidants, and nootropics. They designed Rogue Energy for the emerging professional competitive gaming market and continues to have fantastic carryover and success. Student, athletes, entrepreneurs, and anyone looking to optimize their mental and physical performance. If you want 10% off your order, use the code SOUNDOFF at checkout. It's code SOUNDOFF at checkout for 10% off of all your energy needs. The last Saturday night for the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. The Korean Zombie made his return in full force after losing to Brian Ortega last year. Uh, he came out and quite honestly dominated Zan Ige, uh, winning the unanimous decision. Uh, 48, 47, 49, 46, 49, 46. Uh, personally, I, I scored the fight 49, 46. I think I may have only given Ige the last round. Regardless of that, though, Angel, Korean Zombie back in the win column, my man. I would think about uh, TKZ getting back in the win column and his thoughts uh, just Thoughts on the win over Ige? You know, look, looking at it back and, and, and what I said, I mean, it, it all makes sense, right? The aftermath, now, now that we've seen it, you know, now that it's occurred, every, no, nothing is really a surprise now. Obviously, the performances there was a solid performance. There's still stuff to work for Danny Ige. Let me tell you, though, Danny Ige is a tough guy. He's stuck in it. He, he was really trying to find a way to win it. Wasn't able to do it. The guy just on the other side was just better than him. That's okay. There's, there's still time. He could still improve. Um... You know, as far as zombie, I mean, he's, he's it's gonna be a little while before he finds himself in that top position again. Uh, to be quite frank, uh, if I would have if I would have been him, I probably would have called out a Yair Rodriguez instead of Max Holloway. You know, just because Yair doesn't have an opponent, you know, and mm. it would have been a good you know the rematch would have been there. There would have been good build up to it, some good shit talk. You know, there there would have been a lot to look forward there, and you know I'm sure they would have been able to find a way to make that turnaround happen. And also, mm. it's the zombie man. He's he's gonna be there regardless. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, just being honest, uh, like you said, I was not surprised at all about uh, how the fight went down. I think we both kind of agreed last week that there's there's levels to this, and uh, I generally thought that Zombie was on a different level than Dean, Danny Gay, mm-hmm. uh, and he kind of showed it, man. I mean, he showed that he is still a top contender, even though he is, you know, 34. He's been through so many wars. He's still, it's still, he's still level up. Um, Personally, yeah, I think it probably would have made more sense for him to call out Yair, but I'd prefer to see a Max Holloway fight, so I'm cool with it. Um, but even then, that being said, it doesn't seem like that fight is going to happen. I mean, Yair seems to be taking on Max next regardless, because uh, I know that Giga Chizidaki also went ahead and called him out, and uh, Giga said that he was going to be a pussy, and he that he was, quote, a pussy and turned down the fight. Um which led to the Islam Makachev fight being bumped up also for that main event on that card. So still a good um, fight, by the way, coming with Misha Tate. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. That fight between Islam and Tiago Moises, everybody's sleeping on Tiago Moises, man. I'm not telling you he's going to win that fight, but I remember whenever that fight got made, everybody was talking about how shitty he is, about how he doesn't deserve 
to, to fight Islam and so on and so forth. But does he have like stupidly good jujitsu too? Oh yeah, I believe he he's a black belt in jujitsu. Uh, he's been training since he's been eight years old. Um, and if you look and, at his losses, they're not bad either. No, he's fifteen and four. He's still only twenty six, right? He's still only twenty six. Um, and he's finally put everything together, dude. I mean, he has three wins in a row. Michael Johnson, Bobby Green, and Alexander Hernandez. That's three excellent wins, dude. That really is. I mean, his losses are Demir Esmigulov, who just became 22-1. and one. Benil Daryush, who's like a fight away, if not close to the title shot. Uh, and Jason Knight. And then another person who was in the LFA who was champ. So, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah, he's, so he's, he's, he's coming up. Cool. And he's 26. Like, that's another thing, too. He's That's really the big young. thing. He's, he's 26. And obviously, we're talking, like, this fight's a long ways away. Uh, it's not until after the Connor card. But, yeah, man. So, th- that, yeah, your max fight's going to be res- rescheduled. But, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, Korean Zombie's still showing that he's a top contender. So, there's not a whole lot to say on this one, considering that we both kind of expected this. We both said this is going to happen. Coleman event. Uh, neither one of these guys will be contenders anytime soon. Uh, Sergey Spivak. Uh, defeating Alexi Olenek via a very, very sloppy decision, 29-28, 29-28, 29-28. Mm-hmm. Angel, my man, uh, do you have any takeaways from this fight whatsoever? You know something? I thought, I look, and, you know, I sometimes, and just to clarify for the people, you know, sometimes we wa- I watch, you know, when I go watch these fights, I watch them with groups of people, with friends, and sometimes I watch a fight, and I will talk, and maybe I'll miss a big hit or something. Like, I do my best to obviously keep my attention to it. I it, The little bit I watched... Or the bit, or from what I watched, I, I saw the whole fight. Yeah. And granted, I missed things. I almost could have seen a maybe an argue for a win for Olenek or a draw. I'm not gonna lie to you, Josh. I I don't know if that's controversial or not. You know. So so as far as that goes, I I don't see the argument. However, you know what? Actually, I take that back. I see the argument. I personally don't feel that way. Uh, round one was relatively competitive on the feet. I did give it to Spivak. Round two, I've, I, I could be wrong, um, my description with this fight, because it has been, like, a week now. I know, dude. Um, it's, it's it's rough, isn't it? It's rough. It's, guys, if you guys don't know, like, try and remember, like, how specific fights go. Like, because you're watching the entire card, sometimes shit blends together. Um, but uh, if I remember correctly, round one, pretty even on the feet. I remember I gave it to Spivak because he landed a bunch of leg kicks. Round two, it was pretty even up until Olenek got the takedown. And got the back. Round three was pretty much all Spivak. So I get the argument for Olenek. And I think I saw some people giving him the win online. I just, I just did not personally feel that way. Shout out to those people. I need to go on MMA Decisions and shout out all the websites who agreed with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. MMA Decisions, dude. Great great site. Great site. Fr- yeah, friend yeah. of the show, MMA Decisions. I mean, sponsors, please. <laughs> no, it's just, just, um, but yeah, man. I mean, overall, I personally don't have a whole lot of takeaways from this one. I will say this, though. Um, if they don't give Olenek, I think he has one more fight on his deal. Hopefully that's his 60th win and that he retires. They gotta do it, dude. They gotta give him some, some middleweight who's like one and two or something. Like, I, like, I want to see him get that title shot. Not title shot. I want to get, see him get that 60th win and then just, like, fade away. You know what I mean? Yeah, it'd be like that sometimes, don't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he had a great career. He never got a title shot. He never got any... Any super big, like, you know, grandiose win, so to speak. Um, I'd say he probably peaked at, like, the Hunt the hunt win in Russia was, like, um, probably the best win of his career. But I don't know, man. It was just sad. As, as far as Sergei Spivak goes, I mean, 
good for him. He's 26. He's young. He has a while. I mean, I, I don't know if he'll ever be champ and how far he'll make it in the UFC. I mean, obviously, we want everybody to have a successful career in the UFC and, 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 and reach their goals. But I think it'll be a while. And granted, like, like I said, he's 26, young, has a lot of time. But it, I think it'll be a while. I could see a lot of people just in the top 15 beating him, at least right now at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, he is young, and I'm I'm kind of happy for him just because, like, I never would have thought that he had, like, he would have the success in his UFC, especially after whenever he joined, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. Uh, as far as the rest of the card goes, man, is there anything else you want to go ahead and highlight? You know, for maybe one of the cards of the year that at, at the time didn't have the most name power, there was a there was quite a there was a decent amount of finishes, man. We got to give credit to uh, one man in particular, man, Matt Brown. I mean, Josh, what, what can we say, man? At, at, at 40 years old, knockout over Diego Lima, the other Lima brother, not Douglas Lima. I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he did it, man, and and in, in, in stellar fashion too. I mean, it was it was a beautiful knockout. Uh, I mean, what what is next for Matt Brown at this point in his career, Josh? Like, what really can can they do with him? I mean, is he just trying to write out his uh, his contract and then he'll retire? Do you think he has plans of fighting as long as he can, as long as the UFC lets him resign? Like, he's twenty three and eighteen. He almost has he's he's reaching Artem Lobov status too. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, at the same time, he's almost he has that kind of cult like fandom in a way. Um, cause he's been in the UFC since 2008. Um, he had such an insane career. Cause I, at one point, man, I mean, this is before I was even watching, he lost four or five and then his own win was over John Howard. It looked like he was going to get cut. I mean, the dude was losing to Brian Foster and Seth Bozinski. Um, so he was not losing to the top of the competition. After that, he went on an insane run, won like six or seven fights in a row, beat Wonder Boy, beat Jordan Mian, Mike Pyle, Eric Silva, and he nearly got the title shot. He had his same with Robbie Lawler, dude. And, uh, you know, I, I for him, I wish – I almost wish he would have stayed retired after the Diego Sanchez fight, which he said he might have been at the time he was thinking about retiring. At the same time, though, if he had not done that, we, we would not have a, a badass knockout over Ben Saunders, the war with Miguel Baez, uh, the great fight with Carlos Condit, and then him knocking the shit out of Diego Lima this past weekend. Um I mean, it turns out that having the name Lima is a bad strategy, worst strategy against Matt Brown, dude. Um, so for him, I'm sure they'll re-sign him uh, if he if he he decides to go ahead and stay with like if he wants to keep on fighting. You know what I mean? Um, just because I'm sure he doesn't, he's not going to demand a super expensive contract. Um, but you know, he, he's a straight up legend of the game. He's one of those guys that whenever he retires, he'll never get the appreciation that he deserves. He's not going to make the Hall of Fame. He's not going to be – he's not the type of guy to go to all those UFC events and be shown in the crowd. Like, you know, like Justin Gage. He's at, like, every single event. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Dudes like that. He He's not going to be that guy. But for me, he's he's one of the most entertaining fighters of all time for my money. No, no, I, I completely agree. And, and once again, another highlight from him and a lot of highlights in his career and hopefully another highlight his next fight. We have no idea how many fights are left on his contract. But mm. I guess we'll find out soon enough. Mm. Yeah, of course. And, and look, man, just I, I love me some Matt Brown, um, the immortal Matt Brown dude. Has that has that name because I believe he died, overdosed, and came back to life. And after that, ended up getting into MMA. So man, another that, story <laughs> like that. Yeah, 
Yeah, so shout out Matt Brown, dude. So as far as the rest of the card goes, obviously Marlon Vera, Cheeto, man. This this is an interesting guy because he's still only 28. He's been in the UFC for something like something like seven years. Like he came into the UFC really young, younger than we quite realize. His record's only 17, seven and one, and yet I still feel like we're barely scratching the surface of like his potential. Am I kind of crazy to say that? No, I, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. Okay. I mean, he's definitely a guy that, like, he did lose to, to Jose Aldo, uh, and he did lose to Song Yudong. I thought he won that fight, but, I mean, look, man, this he beat the shit out of David Grant. That was a very fun fight, fight of the night, but still, that was a, mm-hmm. a great performance by him. As far as the rest of the card goes, I mean, like I, like I said, Verna, Jana Jaroba, Kaneko Murata, that was a fun fight. Like I said, it was going to be Jana Jaroba breaking her arm. Um, and ended up winning, improving to 17 and two. Uh, Casey O'Neill shouted her. She's a fun pro- prospect down at flyweight, choking out Laura Pacifico. And then also Chaos Williams getting a win. Rick Glenn getting a knockout win, 37 seconds. Uh, Angel, anything else that I'm missing to go and highlight? No, I think I think you did a great job, man. I, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, you always uh, do. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, man. Moving on to this weekend's card, this Saturday night in Las Vegas, also at the UFC Apex, as always. Um, UFC Vegas 30, I believe. Main event, Angel, my man. You and I have, I mean, we talked about it off show for this fight for quite a while. Alexander Swolkov. Oh, ever since it got announced. Ever yeah, since it got announced. Yeah. Alexander Swolkov. You and I have been very, very high on this man. 6'7", Russian monster, who... Ever since bulking up, putting on something like 30 pounds of muscle uh, within the past year or two, not even all muscle, just like he looked like he filled out his frame, really. Um, he's been just, he's been phenomenal. Uh, he did lose to Curtis Blades in a fight where, you know, down the stretch, he really turned it around uh, and nearly pulled off the win. After that, he knocked out Walt Harris and knocked out Al- Alistair Overeem, Overeem's last fight in the UFC. And now he's taking on. Another guy, a, a young kid coming out of France. He's not really young. He's 31. But for MMA years, he's young. Um, he, he's a physical freak, 81-inch reach, 6'5", huge dude in his own right, 8-0, coming off of a win of Yarsenia Rhodes, straight knocked out JDS before that. One of the most hyped prospects we've seen in a long time, at least for heavyweight, man. This fight is phenomenal. And I know who you're going to pick, but uh, go Josh, ahead and give me a break. No, no, Josh. I, I, I need you to talk to me, Josh. Can you convince me? On how a guy with eight fights is going to beat a guy with 41 fights. Uh, you know, I can do my best. Uh, so firstly, Alexander Volkov is a great striker, but it's not like we've not seen him outpointed before. Okay. Now, I will say it's been a while. Um, <laughs> it's been quite a while. I mean, even his loss in UC Lewis was like a freak knockout. Blades was a wrestling type decision. Um, I'd say the last time he got outstruck was probably Minikov in 2013, but it has happened. Uh, and Cyril Gon is a guy that has great reach, a great jab, phenomenal kicks. It's entirely possible that he could just do what he, you know, it's entirely possible he can try to do against Volkov, which he did to Rosa Strike, keep him on the distance, throw a lot of kicks, use that jab, um, and just kind of coast to a decision win. Absolutely, that's 100% possible. Yeah, Uncle Dana's not going to like that. <laughs> Uncle Danny doesn't have to like it. He if if he doesn't like it, he does he deserves it because that's the same thing he did last time. <laughs> oh no, you're right, you're right. No, but, I'm just saying Uncle Dana's is not gonna like that. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, look, he's a phenomenal kickboxer. I mean, look, he's he's seven and zero in Muay Thai. He trained Muay Thai for years before he even got into MMA. 
Uh, he's huge. He's an insane reach. He, I mean, his trainer Ferdinand Lopez is a phenomenal guy in his own right. I mean, he's he's pretty much. I mean, obviously he was in Ganu's trainer as well, um, or he is in Ganu's trainer. But look, man, just absolutely insane there. So I'm surprised that you're giving Gon the way you said that means to leads me to believe you're giving him zero chance. No, I give him a chance. He, he could definitely okay. point. He could definitely leave with a point win. My thing is, I'll feel bad for the guy because I know Dana's gonna shelf him really hard. You know, if that mm. does, if if he comes out here and doesn't like, you know, get a really good performance against Volkov, I'll put it like that. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Which, well, which I know you can agree on agree with me on that because we know how the UFC is, and uh, and to be honest, he beat yours this week, but it wasn't like a great win over Yarzinia. You know what I mean? It was a it was a point fight win where near the neither guy really did a whole lot. Neither, yeah, and and, I, and we talked about that way back when when it happened. Where I was like, you can't really hate on one guy specifically because obviously both guys dictate the tempo of the fight and how it goes on. So you know we can't really give a lot of hate to Searle and not a lot of hate to your and or you know go hate one way or the other way. You know you gotta yeah. you know judge both guys evenly because it's just it's just the right thing to do and it's fair. Because he really did get a lot of hate from that, and, and it wasn't warranted, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, his opportunity to come out here, fight a smart fight, a fun fight, maybe get a finish. But he's also fighting a guy who's fought probably longer than he might. <laughs> I was going to say longer he's been alive. That That's impossible. But, you know, probably <laughs> as, as long as he's, you know, been an adult. You know, I'll put it yeah. like that. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it, the, the you know you can never you can never teach experience. You can never teach fight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so is a really good guy. He has a lot of potential. He's really athletic. And you know, and let me tell you this: in a lot of sports, guys can be really athletic and get away with it a long time. Mm-hmm. But there comes a time where your you know your athleticism will fade, or you compete against someone with your athleticism doesn't matter. The other guy can deal with that. He can be a technician. He's also athletic. He has both the best worlds, you mm. know. It 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 just that my whole mindset is I I think it's just gonna be really hard for Sorrel to beat Volkov in a, in this fight. That's fair enough, and that and that kind of you know officially leads me to ask a question. So you are gonna go ahead and take Volkov this week? Yes, I am gonna take Alexander Volkov. I want to see him fight for that title for that belt at least one time, man, in my lifetime. I just want to see him fight for that UFC title one time. And if if you lose this man, that's okay. I just wanted to see it happen. You know, sometimes you just want to see these guys reach their peak, and if they don't always you know they don't always achieve their goals, that's that's just how life is. I just want to see it happen one time, man. Well, look, I'm also gonna go ahead and take Alexander Volkov this week. Um, and I would actually be surprised if he did not get a title shot at some point in time within our life. Um, uh, J- I mean, Josh, we've we've seen some questionable decisions by the USC, man. <laughs> Don't be surprised. Yeah, for sure. And look, heavyweight is a clusterfuck right now. Because, I mean, Lewis and Ngannou, that's supposed to happen in August. That got postponed. You know, it now it might happen in September, maybe. I mean, who even That's knows? Okay. And then after that, they got John going on. So Volkov is still ways down the line. Stipe. <laughs> oh, God, don't even get me started. Garzino, even Blades. I mean, Blades was right there, man. It would have been him if if, Curti- if uh, Curtis would have beat Derek. But let me tell you this. What a, still one of my proudest. Did you pick Blades for that? I think you picked Blades for that, didn't you? Uh, I think so. Yeah, still one of my proudest picks. You know, staying with my boys, man. That's that. You have to be loyal sometimes. You know, you can't you can't deviate. I mean, no, I mean, I I feel you, man. I mean, Blades, my boy. I've I've always said that Blades 
if he get figures out his striking. And here's the worst part for me. It's like I was watching that fight, and I remember. I don't know if you remember correctly. Blades was kind of he was kind of tuning him up on the feet, man. He was initially, initially, initially he was he's mixing up good. his wrestling and his striking well. I mean, he was he was used, he was clinching when he needed a clinch, man. He was landing a lot of kicks, dude. He looked phenomenal. And then seemingly out of nowhere, after like mixing all of his stuff together just beautifully, he just decides to shoot for from like 17 feet out for a fucking double leg and gets uppercutted into oblivion. Like, just, dude, beautiful uppercut, by the way, man. Like, one of the cleanest ones, because he, I think he literally, like, it kind of stopped him in the air, and he, he just did. dropped. Yeah. Which was like, dude, that's kind of like, that's fucking terrifying. Yeah. But yeah, no, we 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 spent a lot of time on the heavyweight division, Josh. Uh, you know, let's let's move on to the co-main now, which is also heavyweights. Of course. Kind man. of. Also, sort of. <laughs> maybe. Not maybe. really. But Not really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. Obviously, the co-main event, the Canadian sensation, Tanner Bozer taking on old Vince St. Prue. Obviously, Tanner Bozer at one point, uh, he's still only 29, but not that long ago. We were talking about him being like a bright prospect at heavyweight, and then he lost to Arlovsky, and now he's lost again uh, to Alir Latifi, and he lost that last well, I guess that was actually only a month ago uh, via split decision. He's kind really of a contentious decision, but, um, you know, regardless, he did lose. Ovin St. Peru, on the other hand, this is his second foray at heavyweight. He, he fought Ben Rothwell last year in what was just a really crazy fight. I don't think people will really remember. Um, yeah, he nearly well. knocked Rothwell out twice, but <laughs> um, regardless, since then, he knocked down Alonzo Menafield, but he is coming off a knockout loss to Jamal Hill in December of last year. So, Angel, who do you got in this battle of, uh, I don't know what the fuck I'd really promote this fight as, man. This is such a weird coming event. <laughs> uh, cruiserweights. <laughs> yeah, cruiserweights. There we our, go. Let's our first uh, cruiserweight bout ever in the UFC, officially. Uh, <laughs> now, Tanner Bozer comes in at 240. Well, I mean, I guess you could make that cruiserweight, right? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. But, uh, I mean, Josh, this is a weird one. I'm really torn on it, because, uh, Tanner does a lot of his hands are good. His hands are good. Some clinch things in in wrestling things are kind of questionable. But then at the same time with OSP, he's kind of a question mark at times. And then along with that, uh, he, he has good submissions. I mean the Von Flew joke, you know, we know it. Mm-hmm. We, we're aware of it. The Von Flew. The Von Flew also called the Von Flew. Von Flew. We'll respect it. <laughs> uh, and then also historically, Josh, I mean light heavyweights have made the the move up to heavyweight have not really been very successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is why this fight is really weird to me. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it. What, do you, what are your kind of your general thoughts before we go in here and kind of pick our fight or fighters? I mean, look, man, generally speaking, it is an extremely, extremely weird fight to me. I mean, I think I said this whenever he faced Ben Rothwell too. It just because weird because OSP is a guy that's not, he's not an especially big light heavy. Um, and I know why, like, the last time he fought at 265, because it was short notice, you know, and this time it's also short notice. Um, but still, it is just strange, especially considering Tanner Bozer was a guy that, like, you know, up until, what, he fought Arlovsky in November of last year. He was, like, ranked in the top 15. We look at him as, like, a kind of a, a nice prospect. He's still in his 20s. He's a tough guy. He can still get there, though. We he's, gotta... a, he's a tough guy, but, let I me mean, let's be honest here. We kind of know more about his relative level if he can't beat the corpse of Olovsky and then heavyweight Latifi. Let me tell you this though. At the same time though, Orlovsky has been pretty competitive in those last couple fights, you know? 
for sure. He's definitely Arlovsky's interesting because he's really at the age of 42. I actually think Arlovsky is like his boxing is probably the best it's ever been. Like his pure boxing, like he 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 plays the game of hit and don't get hit fucking excellently, dude. <laughs> yeah, and also you got to think about it, George. It's Tanner Rosa versus Andre Arlovsky. Like Andre Arlovsky is one of the best guys to ever compete at heavyweight. He's one of the best heavyweights, actually. I'll say it now. To ever compete well, in the you know sport. What I think would be interesting. Uh, like, so now we did like the lightweight draft. Uh huh. If we did like a heavyweight draft, that's, that's you like know, a, a good You know, I was going to bring, I was going to bring this up for another weight class. I, I just hadn't brought it up in recent time. Yeah. I mean, I, I generally like to, the reason why I did it last time is because like we were, we, it was, a, it was a kind of a light week. And then also like, um, it was obviously the lightweight title fight that week. But, it, like, hypothetically, if we were to do something like that, Arlovsky's a guy that, like, you really don't think about it, but, like, he'd probably go relatively early just because, like, his longevity. I, like, we'll do that again. I'm, uh, whenever uh, mm-hmm. uh, Francis fights for the title again, we'll do – or defends the title, I should say. He's not fighting for the title anymore. He's defending the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we'll bring it up or we'll find some sort of way to integrate it. We'll find – I know there will be another time we'll bring it up because it's yeah, a – there's a lot of guys at heavyweight in the UFC, or not in the UFC, in MMA, I should say, as a whole, who have been very, very interesting. There's a lot of guys we that are forgotten at heavyweight mm-hmm. who we can bring up. For sure. I mean, we all know Fader is to go, but that's besides the Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's about to fight and get his, his 40th win. So. Oh, my God. I know, dude. I know. I know. It's time. I know. Poor who bastard. Who would like to see Fader fight? JDS, because he could get that knockout. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just the truth. Oh, my God. You know I'm right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's fair enough, man. That's fair enough. I mean, look, I don't know if he would, but here's the thing that's interesting. Very rarely in MMA would we see a fight between two guys between like that have I such, such last champ, right? Right? You know? Was JDS but, champ, Josh? Was JDS champ? Is that what you said? Yeah, I can't think no, right now. He, uh, he was champ. He beat Kane in 2011. He got the title, though, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, so there you go. There's another UFC champ that Fedor would beat if he got that fight. Dude, there's so many. There's so many. It's like he has more, like, wins or UFC champions like John Jones or some crazy stat, dude. So yeah. underrated. I don't care. If you don't have Fedor in your GOAT conversation, you, you're not an MMA fan to me. Oh, I don't so care. Who doesn't, who doesn't like Fedor? It's kind of a hard guy not to like. A lot of people like Fedor. Wei well, Lee named her dog after Fedor. You know that? Who did? Wei Lee. Oh, that's awesome! I yeah, love her, her her dog is named Fedor. I saw it in one of like it's saw like this little mini doc, and I guess she was training, preparing for. It might have been that Joanna fight or the or the Andrade fight, and she, they went to her house wherever she lives, and uh, I guess her dog was there, and she was like Fedor, and they're like, oh, well, why'd you name him Fedor? She's like, Fedor's one of my favorite fighters. Mm-hmm. There's well, there's that quick little bit of story there for you. There's that quick little tidbit. So, um, yeah, man. So what what we're we talking about? So there's some sort of co-main event happening this week. Yeah, yeah. Um, OSP versus Bozer. Who you got? Yeah, Josh? I'm gonna take Tanner Bozer. I think. Tanner Bozer. See, I feel like OSP can be a sneaky pick here. I'm gonna go Bozer as well. I see a lot of people picking Bozer on uh, on Verdict MMA. Not not sponsored. Just just saying. Not sponsored. Not sponsored. Not a- but I yeah. feel like OSP, like, honestly, Josh, if I was a betting man and I had fuck you money, I wouldn't be hesitant to doing, like, an OSP, like, second round submission win. You know what I mean? It's absolutely possible. And the heavyweight, dude, he nearly put out – I'm I'm very hesitantly picking Tanner Bowser just because, like, dude, he nearly knocked out 
Ben Rothwell twice. He knocked him down twice in that fight. And Ben Rothwell has a chin made out of fucking adamantium, dude. Like, hey, he man, is, he stated, but, but did he knock him out, though, Josh? Did he, he did not. He did not. But look, I'm not sure if you remember that fight. He knocked him down with, like, he put him down hard. I think with, it's like, one of the more forgettable ones for me, because if I remember right, I feel like, didn't they clinch a lot on the cage for that fight? They. Here's the, it was weird, because, like, the majority of the fight was them clinching. And if they weren't clinching, it was pretty much OSP knocking him down. But because of the clinch control, they ended up giving Rothel the win. It was like a weird split decision. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Nothing really happened outside of the knockdowns, but, you know. I mean, that's it how is, it is sometimes. It is what it is. Um, that being said, moving down the rest of the card, man, we both talked about it before the show, before we started right now. Uh, very sneaky good card, my man. Uh, what are some of the fights that you personally want to go and highlight, though? Oof. Oh, man. I mean, Andre Feely, Daniel Pineda, man. I feel like that that has fight in the night potential. But at the same time, the fight right below it also has fight in the night potential. And Nicholas Dolby and Tim Means. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. I mean, look, this this card is really just a who's who of, like, underrated guys that I can see getting fight of the night. Like, let's go. Obviously, those two, Andre Feely, Daniel Pineda, you might as well write it in stone that they're going to get it. But at the same time, dude, Tim the Dirty Bird Means... Nicholas Dalby should be a banger. Hanato Moicano, Jay Herbert should be awesome. Yep. I mean, even Charles Charles Rosa taking on Justin James, the guitar hero, who actually said he's betting he on bet himself this weekend. Literally, what a savage. Right, he's, he's betting all of his money on himself this weekend to go ahead and win. Very interesting move by a guy who's 16 and seven who has lost three fights in a row via finish. Uh, but regardless. That should be a banger of a fire there. And then Yancey Medeiros, Demir Hazek, opening up the card, my guy. Dude, so, let, me, let me say this one real quick. Let's, let's give some respect to the ladies, too. Julia Avia versus Jujita Storylenko. I mean, oh Josh. Oh, my God. Storylenko, I, I mean, I, I was there for it, Josh. Her fight against uh, Lisa uh, Lisa Verosa? Is that what it was? Yeah, uh, Lisa Versosa. Or Lisa, Lisa Ver- there's a Spangler. What, she, she just got married. I think she changed her name. but Okay, okay. well, Lisa, she fought Lisa at that time. Spangler, yeah, that was her old last name. I just looked yeah. it up real quick. Dude, that, I was there for that fight. Crazy fucking fight. I yeah, mean, dude, absolutely. I mean, that was one of my fights of the year. I think I may have, like, I remember our rankings for, for that year, but I think I may have given it, like, in my top three, dude. Absolutely insane fight. And she was Invicta Champ for all of six seconds before going to the UFC. And uh, she fought Yana Kunitskaya. And she lost, obviously, but Yana is very underrated. She's improved a lot. And, I mean, um, you see her trajectory now, and it's kind of like, well, it's warranted, you know? Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think. Because, like, she came to the UFC, like, nine and four or something. And then, like... Smashed by Cyborg. I mean, she nearly won that fight, too, which is crazy in hindsight. But, um, you know, it's like, shout out Yana. But overall, though, um, Julie Stodorenko, excellent fighter. I'm glad. She's still young, too, only 28. I'm glad that she figured out her weight-cutting issues because, obviously, she had to – she missed one fight because of her weight-cutting issues. Then the other one, she fainted on the scale. That was and scary. then uh, Julia Avila, man. I love me some Julia Avila. Eight and two, only losses to Jared Eubanks. That fight was a war. And then, you know, she, she has so much potential, dude. So much potential. Yep, yep. But, yeah, man, I mean, this this fight, we talked about it off air. Like, there's there's legitimate interest for me in, like, every single one of these fights. I mean, we went over a lot of them right now, but even, like, Rayoni Barcelos taking on Simravaev should be a lot of fun. Morley Alves fighting shot. And I got to go and shout out. I'm probably going to fuck up his name. I'm absolutely going to take it back. I'm absolutely going to fuck up his name. Shavkat Romakbov, something along those lines. Uh, taking on uh, Michael Preveres, uh, possibly the biggest height difference in a UFC fight ever. Probably not, 
but it's up there. I believe it's five six taking on six three. Wait, can you can you repeat it one more time? Who is it? Shavkat. Ah, I see it. I see it. Yeah. Taking on Michelle Pelelis. Provez or someone like this. What the fuck, man? The man is thirty nine years old. Five six fighting at welterweight. Five, never mind. Six one taking on five six eight inch high difference. Dude, what the fuck? How does that mean? Hey man, credit though. Twenty six and three though. You don't achieve that record just not, you know. Oh yeah, he's a badass dude. He is very very good. That is wild, dude. He's on a he was on a fat win streak there for a while too in the UFC. Beat Gilbert Burns, Josh Berkman, Desmond Green, Mads Burnell. So I mean. Shit, it's it's worked out this long, right? <laughs> you can't really hate on it, right? Man. No, I agree. I agree. Dang, that's cool. He's he's a straight up he's a straight up legend. But yeah, man. Uh, overall, I believe that uh, I believe that should do us on UFC Vegas 30 happening tomorrow. The UFC Apex. But Angel, there's more MMA this week. Including some more big boys throwing down. It's it's the weekend of the thick boys, Angel. It's the weekend of the thick boys. Uh, Bellator 261 happening tonight, actually, as we're recording from the Mohegan Sun Arena in Connecticut's main event, the interim heavyweight championship on the line. Obviously, current champion Ryan Bader fighting in the 205 Grand Prix tournament. However, there still is an interim title to go ahead and that needs to be needs to be put on the line. Uh, Timothy Johnson taking on Valentin Moldovsky. Uh, obviously, Timothy Johnson of UFC fame went to Bellator in 2018. Had a rough start, lost to Inerovia in knockout. Since then, he's turned it around, man. Um, really, it seemed like they were kind of feeding him to the wolves. Got knocked out by Congo, got knocked out by Minikov. And then he's supposed to fight Teller of Fortune, who was this, this massive hype prospect. And in the end, dude, I mean, he ended up knocking him out out of nowhere. Ended up knocking out Matt Mitrione. Avenged the loss to Congo, and now he's here. Valentin Moldovsky, on the other hand, um, Fedor, uh, Fedor Milianenko's protege. Uh, another towards, one. Another one coming out of Fedor team. Um, That's some good 29 guys, 29 years old. He's won five in a row in Bellator, beating Carl Samatafa, Linton Vassell, Javi Rayelva, and now Roy Nelson in 2020. Um, a man, very interesting fight on tilt in the main event. Uh, who do you got? I mean, uh, Josh, I mean, I, I got to pick Valentin, man. I, I got to pick the people from from our boys' camp. I mean, the guys have shown out, brother. It, it doesn't stop. I mean, and the guy's solid, right? I mean, and like I said, I was, I was listening to the podcast. They, they almost had me on Tim Johnson, man. But I, I was like, I don't know, dude. The, you know, these Russian guys are scary as fuck, dude. You can't fuck with them. You can't, dude. You you straight up can't. I mean, the usual thing is Tim Johnson's cold, pulled like three upsets in a row just out of his ass. Granny, so he could do it again, though. Absolutely so. can. <laughs> That'd be a beautiful story. Wouldn't that be a great story if we come back here next week and we're like, okay, guys, and you're, and you're new Bellator champion, Tim Johnson. Oh, well, dude, it's absolutely possible. And if he does, I mean, hell of a story, dude. I mean, this is a guy that came into USC, no hype, literally none, had kind of Kind of an uneventful run. I mean, what was the highlight of, of his run? I mean, probably beating Tybora, maybe up, uh, maybe beating uh, Abdurahimov. I mean, really nothing stands out for the, for the most part. Um, and then going on to Bellator, I mean, he he really really struggled. And then he what would get four upset wins in a row? That is insane, dude. Um, yeah. But even then, that being said, I, I'm gonna go 
um, Valentin Moldovsky. You're not going to sell me on Tim Johnson, dude. I think I've picked – I mean, at the, same, at the same time, I think I may have picked against him for every single one of those fights. So what the fuck do I know? Um, right. At the same time, though, I just I, I can't pick against him coming out of Fedor team. I got to go ahead and give it to the young kid. But moving on to the co-main event, uh, this one should be interesting. I believe it's a – what is it called? A title eliminator uh, between Liz Carmouche – uh, who's actually coming off a win relatively recently over Vanessa Porto in April uh, via decision, taking on Kana Watanabe. Uh, winner of this is going to get a title shot. Obviously, Kana Watanabe 10-0. Um, last beat Alejandra Lara via split decision back at Bellator 255 in April. My man, who do you think fight. gets a title shot? Dude, this is a hard one. Can I, can I just say that out there? Because they almost cancel each other out, don't you think, Josh? With the grappling? I would say so. I think this one's going to be... It's going to be extremely grappling heavy. Um, it's, it's interesting because Kana, she, she obviously has the undefeated record. But she's never faced anybody of Karmush's ability. And I also thought she lost Alejandra Lara last time. It was a close fight. You know, I, I, I'll give her that. And I could I could have seen it going either way. I, wouldn't, I wasn't yeah. up in arms about it. No, same. But I, I, I did think Lara won very slightly. You know, there's always fights like that. I, I don't. I, let me hear your breakdown, Josh. I'm, I I need time to think. I want to hear what you have to say. Your kind of thoughts on it. Well, I will go and say that that what kind of was my breakdown. I don't have a whole lot to add to this one. I think it's interesting because I think they're grappling. It's very very. Um, let me rephrase. I think Kana Wanti probably has better overall jujitsu, but I don't think she has nearly one tenth of the control of Liz Carmouche. Um, I think that. I just think it's not going to go well for her in the wrestling game, and I don't think her striking is good enough to actually go ahead and pull out the win. Uh, mm-hmm. I am going to go and take Liz Carmouche. I think she's just she's better dealt for the moment, if that makes any sense, better meant for the moment. Um, I think since moving to Bellator, she's improved. A, not improved, but she's kind of – she never should have been cut from the UC to begin with, so she is kind of a level above sort of these Bellator girls at 125. Um, she sh- the fact that she was cut in the first place was ridiculous. Um, I mean, what she she lost a decision to Valentina Shevchenko, like, like that's the reason why they cut her, and that was in a division that has really nobody left, and she already had a winner of Valentina before. She knocked out Valentina back in 2010, um, so it was stupid that they ever even cut her. She's coming off two wins in a row. The Deanna Bennett fight wasn't even close, and the Vanessa Porto fight wasn't very close either. Uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and take Liz Carmouche. I think she's gonna get the title shot, and uh, you know we'll see what happens from there. But that is kind of a breakdown on that. Variety already. No, I mean I can agree with you on that because if, if I remember right in that Laura fight, I mean Laura kind of fought off some of those attempts on the ground, right? Like I think she actually like did decently against her in some of those exchanges, which was kind of, I guess to some people at the time was a surprise, right? Because it was kind of like, I guess she had had some issues before, if I remember right. I I, I can't remember. Like I said, these fights, oh, a while back, man. It's 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 hard to remember everything, you know. Trying mm-hmm. to prepare as best as I can, but man, sometimes it's just like shit, dude. There's, 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 you know how many people fight each day, each week? Mm. It's, it's hard. I, 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 I think I agree with you on this. I think I'll go Carmouche as well. Fair enough. Both going Liz Carmouche. Both going. I think we went. You know, I think like last week we went. Didn't agree on any picks. This week, picked every single person the same. So, um, it's interesting. But as far as the rest of the fights go on the Bellator card, anything else you want to go and highlight? 
Man, let me see here. Man, I'm not going to lie, Josh. The fight's already ended that I wanted to highlight, and I'm sad now because I don't want to ruin it for anybody. I was actually excited for the Soren Bach and Bobby Lee fight and the Corey Samuels and Isaiah Hulk. It Hulk's it? I don't know how to pronounce his last name. It's a spelled weird. H-O-H-O. What'd you say? Hulk it? I think that's what it is. I think it's Isaiah Hulk I think I heard it. Yeah, I wanted to highlight those, but... You know, I don't want to spoil it for anybody because we're doing the podcast. You know what I mean? And then if you watch this on a regular basis live, then I don't mm. want you to be like, oh, fuck. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, as far as the fights, I'm going to go and highlight, man, Daniel Veitchel, uh coming back should be a lot of fun. He's never really in a boring fight, ranked still number five at featherweight. He has won. He has lost three of his last four fights. But, I mean, you look at the dudes he's lost to, a split decision to Patricio Freye. Like, he was one scorecard away from you know, winning the belt, winning the belt, which nobody really even touches Patricio at this point. Uh, split decision loss to Goichi Yamaguchi. He beat Saul Rogers, who is a super underrated guy. Like, um, I believe he, he, if I remember correctly, he was the guy that had a lot of success in like the ultimate fighter. And then he couldn't get cleared to fight in the UFC for whatever reason. Um, he beat Ryan Hall, Billy Quarantillo, and a bunch of other dudes as well. Um, and he ended up beating him. Uh, but he did lose to Emmanuel Sanchez. So, you know, three of his last four, but he is coming back on this card. Also fighting um, is Miles Jury, Miles Fury Jury, taking on Sydney Outlaw. That should be a straight-up banger of a fight right there. I'm very, very excited for that one. Miles Jury coming off of two wins in a row. And last one I want to go and highlight, uh, John Macapa taking on, I believe, uh, John, De- John, De- Jesus. John DeJesus, however you pronounce it. Um, John Macapa, man, 34 years old. But still, at the same time, man, very interesting guy. He came into the UFC, I want to say, very, very early in his career. Um, It came in 2012. Had one fight in the UFC. It was a split decision loss. Got cut right afterwards. Um, It was because he missed weight at the time. So that's pretty much the reason why. Uh, But, dude, he went into Bellator. Had a nice run. Uh, He has, you know, he did have three losses in a row. Lost to AJ McKee, Packer, and Daniel Vichel. Turned around with two wins in a row, including over Kevin Kroom. Uh, he's coming off a loss at Ryzen, but still a very interesting guy. Still a very interesting guy at 145. Mm-hmm. So, and then shout out to Soren Bach, who I'm not going to spoil. He did fight Bobby Lee. <laughs> <laughs> not going to spoil it, though. So, if you guys want to watch that one. But, outside of that, my man, it's time to go ahead and move on. So, Angel, my guy, NBA talk. How scared are you? right now as a Phoenix Suns fan that the second you saw that tip in that, that, that put down by Deandre Eaton in game two to send you guys up two nothing. How fucking terrified were you? Let me just ask. I'm never scared, dude. You always got to be confident when you're watching. This is something I tell everybody, dude, whenever you support your team and I'm a very loyal person to my, the, the teams that I support, dude, I never doubt my team at any moment. I never do. Even in the worst of times, I always try to believe in them. Uh, in that moment, I was just like, and and I and I thought about, it, I'm like, are they gonna lob it in? Like they did that one play a few years ago, and little did I fucking know they did, and they did it, man. And we're up 2-0. We were up 2-0. Now we're down 2-1. Which I'm not gonna get into that game too much. I mean, the Clippers just had a really good performance. That's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. Uh, I don't really want to like nitpick at anything. There 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 is things that that at its core would happen. Like I think Booker and uh, Chris Paul went like 10 of 40 that night, like terrible mm-hmm. shooting night for them. Uh, our shooters were not on that night how they normally are. And also, 
the Clippers were just good that night. They did. If we won that game, we really didn't deserve to win it because the Clippers played very well. Uh, Reggie Jackson showed out. Terrence Mann did his thing. Uh, Paul George. I think if I remember, right, even Paul George didn't even have that great of a shooting night. So they really, they really did win this on hard effort, a good game plan, and a good adjustment. Though, I mean, honestly, though, we got to tonight or not tonight, but whenever they play again, I think it'll be tomorrow. They got to come out and win this, go up three one and close it out in Phoenix. Because if we go two two back to Phoenix, I can see us dropping one game and going to a game seven, and you know, not being a fun night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, I, look, I, I'm not sure what's up with the Clippers, man. Um, is is it possible that like after they go down two games? That's generally what I was just joking about. Is like the second they go down game two games to nothing, they just turn on turn it on, dude. But at the same time, I'm not really sure if I agree with that because I'm not sure if you remember like, the Mavs series. That one was still pretty back and forth even after they went down 2-0. Mavs probably should have won game seven. It was just they proceeded – like they were winning up until the fourth and proceeded to not score a single point for something like seven minutes, something insane. Uh, and the Clippers went on something like a 30 to nothing run. It took something like that to actually go ahead and – for them to win that series. And obviously the Jazz, there's no excuses for that one. But still, I, I do got faith in your boys. I know that you're a guy who always has faith in your teams. I'm like the exact opposite. I'm kind of a pessimist the entire way. Um, but I, I'm I'm gonna have faith, man. I'm gonna have faith for your Phoenix Suns. But as far as faith, man, have we seen a run like the Atlanta Hawks, like this current Hawks team, right? I mean, the Miami Heat kind of had that last year. But also, the Miami Heat were the 12th seed at the All Star break. True. You know what I mean? The one thing, like, even as, like, my sports watching, like, here's the thing, right? My sports watching experience, because they're, like, they were the 12th team, the 12th seed in the East at the All-Star break. They're now three wins away from the finals. The only thing I can compare this to at all since I've been watching sports was the St. Louis Blues firing their coach at the All-Star break because they were one of the worst teams in the NHL and then proceeding to win the Stanley Cup that year with a, with a backup coach. Like that's that's the only thing I compare this to. Well, uh, I, I said it at the start of the year. I think I thought they were going to be a really competitive team. The thing is, though, I'm really weird. I don't know why the teams haven't been able to neutralize this team better. I really think it's an oddly beatable team, very easily. Like I don't know why I have that mindset. Like I'm not very high on the Hawks whatsoever. You know, I'm kind of in the same way because I really feel like they should be able to neutralize this team. Because, like, Trey's good, and I like a lot of those pieces around him. I, li- I like Capella. I like a lot of those other dudes, of, dudes around him. But, like, this should be a team that, like, they should be able to neutralize relatively easily. And yet... Also, game one was close. It. We can't give them... You know, I'm, I'm like... It, granted, though, we were always going to... It's Once again, it's one of those situations where we talked about the Sixers where I was like, the Milwaukee team has the best players. You know, if you made a top five list, like we're literally repeating what we say in that, t- the top most of those players would probably bu- be Bucks players. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Once again, it's an issue of the teams not knowing how to deal with this particular guy, which is like, you know, it's it's one if you slow down the one guy who's scoring literally half his team's points, and you force other guys to have to find success. I mean, it it really comes down to like. How do we slow him down? He's playing a stupid amount of minutes. He's shooting the ball. We know once he passes half court, he's a threat. Like, how do we make the adjustment? And no one's made that adjustment yet. I don't think I don't even know if anybody really has made like the like a proper adjustment to lock the guy down. And Drew Holiday is not a bad defender. Drew Holiday is no, on great. Trey Young. He's a great defender, and he's still scoring too. 
there's an issue somewhere else on that team that needs to be, you know, addressed or something, or all these teams that competed. The thing is, though, coming into tonight's game, which is about to start here soon, so we might yeah. even mention the score here at some point, it's like you need to come out here and make a statement because you really should be blowing these guys out. I'm sorry to say it, you really should be. This is a team that, that I think the top three on each either conference should be able to blow out this team. And it's no disrespect to the Hawks. They're a really talented team, but it should be a 4-0 in my opinion. Well, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm kind of on the same page with that. Like, and I, we said it last series, too. Like, on paper, this should not be close. Not in the slightest. And yet, here we are. Not only did they win the series against the 76ers. Now, I mean, we both said that was going to happen, but that was after, like, the 76ers were completely, like, defeated. Like, after, I think, game five or six. I think it looked completely mentally broken. Now, they, they obviously made it to a game seven, but still. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Philly's not happy with Ben Simmons right now. Yeah, when is Philly happy at all? There is a city full of miserable people. All right. <laughs> I mean, well, they're especially 70, not happy now. Let me tell you, seventy sixers more like eighty, more like let's eighty six a team out of Philly. All right. Um, no, no, nothing, nothing. No, 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 oh, you no, just no. wait, you wait, dude. I'm, I'm gonna text you whenever the Suns play. I got, I got some already. I got some more stuff cooked up, bro. I got you. Man, this is be good. Can, campaign. More like more like campaign, because the Suns won on New York's election day. <laughs> you need to stop, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Anyways, um, yeah, man. I mean, let's go back to the actual the basketball part of things. The Hawks are not a team that like I I like the roster, right? But I like the roster at the beginning of the year. I was like, I love this roster, but I'm gonna love this roster more in two years from now. Yes. Whenever Stray Young's better, and whenever John Collins is better, whenever they've developed guys like Huter more. But instead, like, they're here. Well, and you know, I'm, I'm, once again, I'm going to quote it back to the last podcast, Josh, something that you said. They should not be beating the well-established veteran team that's been here before. They shouldn't be. I mean, and, and it's—the thing that's crazy to me is, like, it's not even that, like, it, sh- it should not be sustainable up to this point, right? Like, yeah, they beat the Knicks, fine. Knicks were a young team, too. I can see it happening. Julius Randle didn't show up. Like, yeah, uh, 76ers, all fine, sort of. I mean, like, look, they, I'd give them, you know, if we did the like, if we did the list thing, like I said, I'd give the majority of the 76ers players are significantly better than the Hawks team overall, but fine. At this time, still, at this time, let's, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll also respect the guys. You know, we can't be like like that. You know, I'll be honest with you, too, oh, I, on that. I get it, I get it. But it also, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, but fine. Sixers, they're inconsistent. Um, they've choked in the years before, the years past. You know, Ben Simmons Man, has at the same time, the Bucks have done the same thing. So should we even believe in the Bucks at they this have, point? They have. They have. But here's the worst part is that the Bucks got over the hump. They beat the NBA favorites. Yes, I understand that Kyrie's out, but they still beat the favorites. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It seems like they got over the hump finally. And I yet, will say this though, Josh. It was close. It was too close to comfort. And, and Giannis in the playoffs has not been what we wanted. Giannis has not no, been. Never, he's never established been. like next. Because you know when when the conversation starts of once LeBron is gone, who is the next superstar? Who's going to take that place? We talk about Giannis. He's not showing that to us right now. I feel like I feel like we're doing like our best Stephen A. like impressions right now because they're both going hard. At, well, like, dude, 
Well, okay, it's because we have to go hard. We have to go hard because <laughs> the guys who need to perform aren't performing. You know what I mean? It'd be I different. Agree. It'd be different if it's like, okay, Milwaukee had a close game with with, with the Atlanta Hawks, uh, the younger, you know, first-year, really scrappy, established team. You know, maybe not the best performance out of them, but, you know, they came out and won the game like they should have. Uh, you know, we could see maybe this becoming a, a five- to six-game series. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it really it, – the frustration is is, is, is is crazy right now. And, and if, I'm the, if I'm the coach, if I'm the team, if I'm the fan base, I'm mad at my team right now. I know it's well, one game. It's one game, right? It's one game. Look, it's we'll, one we'll see game. after today. We'll see after today, and we'll and we'll take from that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, it, it's one game, but it's like Jesus Christ. Like, because your thing is like, I watched game one, and I'm like, it almost this Hawks team, man. The way like after game one went, I'm like, it's way, I, haven't, well, I haven't watched the Hawks play at all. Like, not really. I've seen like maybe like a quarter or two, but I haven't seen how they play as a team. Like, how, have you have you watched any of their games? I mean, I've been watching a lot of the games because I've been going to the gym and just all turn on the NBA playoffs. Um, yeah. But I, I just – this team kind of defies logic in that way just because, like, they don't – we're giving all the credit to Trey Young. Not all the credit, but we're giving a lot of the credit to Trey Young, and everybody else is doing that too, like all the talking heads and all well, the – Well, it's kind of hard not to, though, when the guy does come out here and score 30, 40 points each night. No, no, of course, of course. But, like, also, anytime they need somebody to step up and contribute – there's someone it's there. It's kind of like the Heat, like you mentioned last year. They're doing it. Like all everything is clicking right now, dude. To the point where it's like, I'm well, not gonna be surprised if they well, beat the Bucks. Well, well, like, let me know. tell you right now, Josh. In the playoffs right now, Trey Young is averaging 30 points, 30 and a half points in the playoffs right? with with three and a half turnovers, insane. Ten assists and like three rebounds. 87 percent from free throw. Not you know you'd like 90, but that's that's okay. Shooting 32% from three, okay, below NBA average. That's that's okay. He shoots in high volumes. He shoots, let's say yeah. nine, because it's at 8.9. True field goal 42. All right, we can work with that. And and then uh, he's playing 39 minutes a game, and he's starting every single game. Obviously, it's like, you know, the guy is, you know, we got where credit is, you know, we gotta do where credit is due, right? We gotta give credit where credit is due. The guy is putting on a heck of a performance. It's Curry like. I'll be honest, it is Curry like right now. Different, but Curry like. No, of course, and I'm not trying. I'm not trying to take away from what Trey's doing. I'm just saying that, like, at the same time, we're giving him all the credit, and he deserves it. But also, everybody is stepping up. Everybody. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and I also got. I got to say this now, Josh. If this team doesn't make it out of this this year, or win, or like wins the whole thing, we're not going to see some of these players come back next year. Just so you know. I'm telling you that right now. They have to. They got. I don't want to say they have to blow it up, but they got to do something major, dude. We've seen this experience. No, I'm not even talking about the. I'm talking about the Hawks. Oh. It's just, okay. There's issues in that locker room. We knew about that. Don't you remember? I don't remember any of that. Earlier in the year, there was an issue with Clint Capella, John Collins, which are two big, like they're two other really, like it probably goes, you know, Trey Young, John Collins, Capella, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, let's just say. Just you know, and obviously positions playing a factor, right? You can maybe even argue Capella above John Collins. We're not going to get into that though. The thing is though, some of those other guys on the team that are on shorter contracts or a free agents this year here on Atlanta might not be here next year. You guys need to come out here, and that's another thing, you know. And I like I'm going to talk for the other side and how they have to perform now because we already shit on the Bucks enough. I'm sorry, Bucks, but it's just true. <laughs> it's everybody. They also have to perform. Because John Collins might not come back next year. I think he's an unrestricted free agent or might be uh, – or has like a player option or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like he might be up there. And I'm sure they have guys on shorter contracts, 
you know, that they drop money on who might not want to come back. Yeah, man. And as far as it goes, I'm not trying to, like, entirely shit on the Bucks, but I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, I honestly wasn't aware of too, too many of the issues, but at the same time, I also have been very self-admittedly, I really don't pay attention until the playoffs because really not too much really matters. It's hard to. I, I, you know, and, and you know, Josh, something that some people on the podcast have to understand who maybe come in just for the MMA segment or football segment or boxing segment or basketball segment, whatever it may be. It's really fucking hard to watch every single sport every week and have a life. Just so you guys know. <laughs> and work and come out here and do the podcast. Like, if we did this full time, oh, dude, we, I, Josh, I, I come in here knowing shit from like six years ago from each, you know, each fight or each game. You know what I mean? I'd be, mm-hmm. I'd be having stats, you know, from four years ago. You know what I mean? Dude, we'd be talking about tennis or some shit. If we, if we, if we had to do this shit full time, we'd be talking about everything. Josh, we'd, we'd talk these- about all 186 games of baseball. You know what I mean? No, I'm never going that far. You know, I'd be, <laughs> I'd be talking about Otani right now. You know, like his season. <laughs> I mean, yo, he is killing it, though. I'll give him credit, dude. That That is, like, he's having a season right now that, like, you know, it we have not seen, like, in a long time, is what I'm trying to say. All right, all right. But let's pull it back. I mean, do you have anything else to say on the Hawks before we move on to our next topic and uh, oh, honestly, re- really. recap some important stuff? No, I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot a lot will be told. I mean, Josh, by next week, I mean, let's look let's look ahead. Uh, we Let me look at it real quick. By next week? If it were to go to it, maybe the Suns game would be concluded. It'd be game seven, or they'd be going to a game seven. And by or and then by next weekend, if it were to happen, they'd be in a game six. Atlanta would be, or or, or slash the Bucks. So by next week, I mean we're gonna have we're gonna have our picture for the finals, pretty much. We're gonna have an idea. You know what my uh, my bold prediction is. Call it right neither, now. Neither neither one of these will go to a game six or seven. Really? They all end I'm, in I'm making my prediction right now, Angel. Shit. We're going to be looking at the Phoenix Suns versus the Atlanta Hawks in the NBA Finals. Oh, by the way, that's a really fun playoff matchup. Can I just so say So fucking fun, dude. Like, I think if as, fun, as far as fun, because let me tell you this. If for something the Clippers already win and they play the Bucks, I really wouldn't be excited to see that. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I, mean, also, I mean, also, it doesn't help that, like, your team – would have gotten so close to knock out there. Like, for example, whenever the, the number of the Chiefs lost to the Patriots like a couple years ago in the AFC Championship, I, I, I didn't I, watch I, the fucking Super Bowl. I don't. Well, you know, it's, it, it's a, there's also a factor of when, but I think the matchup of Paul George versus Giannis and no Kawhi Leonard doesn't excite me as much as Kawhi Leonard was there. Absolutely. I, and, and But also, dude, like, just who would have imagined? Like, cause I'm, I'm predicting that right now, and obviously I don't know if that's going to happen or not. That's just my feeling. But, like, Never in a million years what I would have thought. Like, if, if you would have asked me to go through, like, 20 different NBA Finals combinations, right? Just, like, what are your top 20 possible combinations for the NBA, like, the NBA Finals? Never would have settled on Hawks Suns. No. Never. And we're close to that. We we could potentially have that, which is a scary, scary thought, too, to some people. But that's – but, Josh, there was something that I saw. Or not even something. It is, actually it is a fact now because we see it. Oh. Regardless, this year a new NBA franchise will have its first championship. That is true. Yeah. Or I think in a long time. I don't know if the Bucks ever won think, something way back in the day. Maybe the Bucks yeah, did way back in the, the day. I think the stat is like that nobody these four teams have not got in. Like I think I don't remember which team it was last time a champion of these four teams was like 1965. 
Yeah, it's probably the Bucks then. I think that was like Bob McAdoo era. Like, you don't even know who that is, Josh. <laughs> Not a fucking clue. I think he was like one of the first like finals MVPs or MVP, something like that. He, he led that team way back in the day. Yeah, 1971, the Milwaukee Bucks. And I don't know if the Atlanta, maybe maybe they did back in the, I don't know if the Atlanta Hawks ever did. Maybe back in the day with like Bob Cousy. If you know who that is, Josh, I know. I know. I do know Bob Cousy. I know, Josh. I, I feel like such an asshole saying that. I'm not going to lie to no, you. No, no, no. I know. I get it. The only reason I know about Bob Cousy is because, like, n- never mind. Never mind. Okay, yeah. And then 1958 for the Hawks. And yeah, I'm 1958, pretty, yeah. And, and I'm pretty sure the Suns have never won a chip. Because I know. never have. And I'm pretty sure the Clippers franchise. Never. The time, I think in the time they've been the Clippers, have never won anything. Maybe in the ABA when they were called the Braves or some shit might have. So yeah. Well, at the same time, it is. It, this may sound kind of weird, like despite the fact that like the Bucks haven't won it in forever and the Clippers have never really won it, it also would not really feel like it would not feel as organic if like the Suns or the Hawks won it. Because let me let's be honest, the Clippers and the Bucks. I don't want to say the Bucks are a super team. The Clippers are a literal manufactured super team, though. Mm-hmm. Like Kawhi and Paul George. Both demanded trades out of their team. Well, I guess Kawhi didn't. He was a free agent. Paul George demanded a trade out, and they were going to make a super team. So it would not feel as organic as like if the Suns or the Hawks won it. But still, yes, it has been a very minimum like 50 years since one of these teams has won a chip. Hey, but regardless, you know, like it, it will will we'll be good, man. It'll be good for whoever wins, and and there'll be a lot of celebration. People are shit talking. Like I remember hearing something from guys who are, who do only basketball podcasts, and they're like. You know, the one thing that I think some people are going to hate about is, like, that the ratings are going to be down. But it's like, dude, who doesn't want to watch good basketball at the end of the day? Like, that's really who, what we watch it for. Dude, who gives – this this applies to every single sport that I watch because every single sport right now has ratings down because you know why? Nobody watches cable anymore, and that's the only way this shit is measured. Everything is streaming. <laughs> so every single sport is down, but also I don't give a shit about ratings – Last year was the worst-rated NBA playoffs of all time, and I had a lot of fun watching the playoffs. So, also, I mean, re- I re- real quickly, Josh, do you got New York or Tampa Bay? What? And hockey, Josh, have you been keeping up with hockey? Who you got? New I mean, York I've been Tampa- keeping up a little bit, but at the same time, you know, it's what? Game I- Seven, Josh. It's in 20 minutes. I need your answer. You know what? I, for my boy Danny, shout, shout out Danny Doherty. I'm gonna go ahead and go. I'm gonna go with New York. All right. I know, I, I know it's so random, but I just wanted to put it out there because I well, knew. I was actually, I've not kept up with that side of shit at all, but I've been paying. I, I've Josh, watched. It's because it doesn't matter because the Seattle Kraken are coming in here and they're going to fuck they're shit gonna up. Wreck shit, they're going to wreck they're gonna shit. Wreck shit. Shout out to yo, Seattle Kraken. Yo, dude, I, jokes aside, I don't even care about. I never cared about that side of the bracket between Tampa and New York because the fucking other side of the bracket between Montreal and Vegas, insane, dude. I mean, ve- as much as like. I don't really give a shit about Montreal. I didn't really care about Montreal. I'm, I was kind of rooting for Vegas, but at the same time, Montreal, dude, is going on a fucking insane run right now, dude. Like, they barely made it into the playoffs. They were – who did they face in the first round? It was somebody that they were, like, like who they were expected to lose to. Like, dude, Montreal's record, 24-21. and 21. They so made whoever, the playoffs. So whoever wins this is going to play the Canadians? Yes, like they were supposed, to, they played Toronto, and Toronto is obviously Toronto is always king shit every single year. Um, but every single year they fucking choke. I remember last year, like they were like, oh, there's no way they can do it again, and then they proceeded to choke again to Montreal. 
And then Montreal, obviously, they, they've swept the Jets because Winnipeg fucking sucks. Hey, man, and I then, know the Blackhawks didn't have a good year this year, but shout out to my boys in Chi-Town, just saying. Oh, I don't give a shit about the Blackhawks. You know, Jay, Blackhawks. I don't know, Chicago has a special place in my heart, I'll put it like that. I've always had a hatred for the Blackhawks because, like, they knocked St. Louis out of the playoffs, like, three years in a row. Um, hey, man, St. Louis eventually won those. So you can't even they did it. win the chip eventually, but then, like, it's almost funny. It, it's it's too funny to even, like, joke about. It's like – It's so weird talking about hockey because I don't watch hockey. <laughs> I, will, I love talking I about I will when the Seattle Kraken play, though. I will, dude, I can't wait. So for, first Seattle Kraken game, dude. I'm going to be at your house. We're, we're having a watch party, I'm telling you. Josh, um, I mean, if you – I'd be down for that shit. Um, but dude, like after the, after the blues, before, it was funny. I was thinking about this right now. I guarantee you like two people of our entire audience give a shit about this conversation, but I don't really care. It's okay. Um, Talk whatever yeah, the fuck so, you want about. So, you, got, you guys can Google and follow along right after the blues won the chip. They've, cause like the blues always choke every single year, dude, they, they'll choke in the playoffs. They'll either not make the playoffs or they'll have high expectations. Of t- whenever Tarasenko really came to the team was never the expectations were really sky high. You know what I mean? They would always choke, dude. And they had that magical run. They beat the Bruins, dude, in the fi- like in the Stanley Cup Finals, and it was amazing. And then they went right back to choking each year since then. It was just, it's just heartbreaking, dude. But dude, shout out Montreal. Um, I dude, I think they're gonna win all this year, dude. They're, they're having a really organic run, unlike anything I've seen. Like even the Blues from a couple of years ago. Whenever the Blues made it in, they were like everybody was kind of like, oh, the Blues are so hot, I would not be surprised if they did win the chip. That was kind of the expectations. Like they they were still weren't one of the top favorite teams, but they were so hot going into the playoffs. We were like, oh, I can see them riding this wave. Montreal dude came with no expectations. So by the way, you know what's funny? I mentioned the Otani and he just he just hit a home run. <laughs> dude, he's he's so good. He's so good. Yeah. So there's that. Alrighty, Josh. What's next on the agenda? We we veered off in us. We veered off in a weird direction. Well, next up on the agenda is to actually um, tell you about this little site. And if you wanna, if you wanna actually, because we talked about the Stanley Cup, if you wanna go and throw some money down on the oh, Stanley shit. Cup playoffs, or throw some money down on the NBA Finals whenever it's the Suns and the Hawks, I wanna tell you about this little site, man. Monkey Knife Fight is a daily fantasy sports gaming website for the casual sports fan that is simple, fun, and easy to play. You can determine which superstars compete in the day's professional sporting events, record more or less in the contest line provided. Monkey Knife Fight's daily fantasy prop games play similar to the salary cap daily fantasy sports games, but without the albums, lines most importantly, sharks. There are several contests to choose from, none of which require hours of research required on competing sites. Start with a simple 2 for 2 or go for the highest payouts up to 100 times and higher by selecting an 8 for 8 more or less contest. Get started now with a 100% instant match bonus up to $50 of promo code, promo code Courtside. So if you guys want to go ahead and throw down some money this weekend or over the next few weeks, use code Courtside and they will match it. So, Angel, uh, last week we talked about boxing. Uh, we went ahead and kind of mutually agreed that despite the fact there was some super high-level stuff going on, the most anticipated thing for us was Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva taking on... Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. It was kind of this weird freak show-esque boxing match because obviously Anderson's 46. You know, Julio, this seems like kind of just a layup for him to get a win and get back on the win column. I mean, he was coming off a knockout win before this, but it was against a guy you know, nobody heard of, um, some Ven- some Ecuadorian kid in November of 2020. But outside of that, I mean, it seemed like it was it was a fight to go and get some some you know attention for the guy, right? No way. No chance. The Spider-Man 
how fucking goaded is I'm this? not surprised, motherfuckers, enter intro. How, to, to quote Nathan Diaz, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers, except I am surprised, motherfuckers. Were you really, Josh? Yes, I am. Dude, I was not. Can you believe it? Because I was like, if there's anybody who could have done it or were to do it, it was going to be him. And let me tell you, Josh, it's been, like that was one of the other times where I got emotional in the middle of a fight, where I like teared up a little bit because I just saw that. Like he, when I saw him smile, Dude. like there was a moment where he was like just going in, and like he was just, and I saw him smile in the corner. Like he didn't go back to the corner; he got backed up into the corner, and he smiled. He was like, "Okay, I feel comfortable now," you know, because you know it takes Anderson a bit to get mm-hmm. comfortable, right? And he he knows when he has a fight. And when I saw that, I just shed a, I, I shed a little tear, dude. I, 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 I teared up a little bit because I was like, this is what could have been 10 years ago. This is this could have been the first time we could have seen a guy cross over and have a good performance. And, you know, sadly, we're not going to get it. But, damn, that was a good glimpse of what could be. Dude, I, I could not agree with you more. Like, and, like, I'm Clip not a guy that shit. <laughs> I'm not a guy who gets, like, emotional watching, like, sports, really. But, like, dude, like, Anderson Silva, like, this is a guy – Let's, let's put it in perspective real quick. He's 46 years old. He always wanted to box, but he never could because of his UFC contract. He boxed twice before. One time he got knocked out when he was in his, like, when he was like 20 or something, right? Yeah. Uh, he got a knockout when right before he went into the UFC, like, like a few months before he got signed. Um, and he, he he's 46 now. He's had so much damage, dude. He, he's, he's lost so many. His UFC career ended with, you know, it was sad. I mean, this is a guy that got knocked out. He lost two fights before that. He's lost something like seven of his last nine fights. Um, he's had so many injuries. He broke his fucking leg. Like, it was. it's just been, for the last eight years, it's been nothing but depressing moments in lowlights for Anderson Silva. Yet on one night in Mexico, he brought all the magic back, dude. And unlike anything we've ever seen, and he's taking on a dude who, yeah, he's a fuck up. Yeah, he's, you know, he, he has not won a lot lately. Yes, he doesn't train that much. But a dude who's been boxing for the majority of his life, like he's still, it's not like he's super old now. He's still only 35. Not that long ago, he was fighting Daniel Jacobs. He was fighting Canelo Alvarez. And Anderson Silva went in there and turned the clock back, and he fucking tooled him. Like, it wasn't even close. I gave. Chavez maybe one round, two rounds, but that was it. Like it was insane. So this is this is a stellar performance, man. It was a stellar performance, and I mean his life is one of the most amazing, right? You, you got to say it right now. He's lived, he's been in in he's fought in the early days of MMA. He's fought in the more modern era. You know he's been through those injuries. He's come back. He he's made a lot of money. He was a, he was a superstar. He's one of the greatest to ever compete. And for him to finally get to compete in boxing and, and, and you know in a big event in the way he wanted to, and to get you know some props from the people there. I mean Canelo went up there and gave him some love, and it, it was just um, it was um, it's amazing to see. Yeah, of course, man. And and it's just Canelo gave him props, you know. And I saw a story the next day like he was supposed to be the main event, but he refused to fight before Julio Cesar Chavez Senior. Yep, like senior was having an too. exhibition fight, some four round bullshit. And hey, man, he wanted to take that helmet off though. You got to give him some. Love he wanted to. That was badass. I'll give him credit. That was dude, pretty he, badass. That's just the kind of guy he is, though. Yeah, for sure, man. And it just, I don't know, man. It was, it was just awesome. It really, really was. Um, to see him get the win. But as far as that goes, man, I mean, 
There's a little bit more boxing this weekend. I'm sure we won't spend that long on it. Uh, however, we still have two fights to go and quickly go over. First one being, uh, I'm sure this is probably, for both of us, probably the less anticipated one. I mean, Javante Davis. Huh? He's fighting a good guy, though. I, I got to give his, his opposition some credit. Oh, yeah, for sure. Javante Davis taking on Mario Barrios. Obviously, Javante moving up two weight classes, but, you know, boxing, that really means, like, seven pounds. Um, he's 24-0, obviously coming off of that highlight real knockout of Relio Santa Cruz in October of last year. Uh, he's moving up to fight Mario Barrios, who is something like, you know, five, six inches taller than him. Javante says, according to his uh, wiki, he's five, five and a half. I don't believe that. Um, he looks also like, a decent breach advantage as well. For sure. And full credit to Mario Barrios, man, dude, 26 and 0. He's been champ since 2019. Um, young kid, 26 years old, man. I mean, who do you got in this one? What, what, do you, what are your kind of thoughts on the matchup? I mean, man, the, the weight change is always uh, is something, man. You know, they're, they're fighting a... 139 and a half. Let's just say 140, you know, because they give him a pound to spare. He's usually and uh, Gervonta. And I mean, it's not like Gervonta hasn't fought near that. He's fought 130. I don't know why they have these fucking weird weight classes sometimes, but you know, the 130, So it's not a significant difference. I think the only thing he'll have to deal with in this fight is the height and reach advantage, which obviously, if Barters is able to use that correctly, I mean, credit to him, right? But uh, he's fighting a real young guy. I mean, the, he's a young kid. He's 26 years old. Granted, Gervonta. You know, just, just as young as well, 26 about. I mean, both these guys are, you know, hitting what would be considered maybe their prime age or prime time in their in their lifetime. And I mean, it's scary, man. Davis has, you know, 24 out of his, you know, win, uh, 23 out of his 24 wins or, or KOs. You know, I mean, uh, you know, and and if you're Mario, I mean, you got to be thinking, man, like I have a tough fight in front of me. You know, I I really gotta go in here and really show out. You know, I'm because I'm the champ. He's coming up to my weight class. He's making a change. And this is, and if he were to win this, this would be his biggest victory to date. Uh, mm. He's fought some solid guys, but no one with this kind of name power. Uh, and if he gets this, I mean, dude, you know, you you see how the Mexican fandom is. Uh, he will be treasured. He he's a uh, he, and he's from Texas, man. Texas born, Texas raised. So, you know, obviously a lot of a big community of people out there that will be giving him a lot of support. Uh, it's just a matter of fact that he can come out here and show out. Uh, I you know I I and I think we're on the same page. I think we'll both probably take Davis here. Mm. But man, uh, you you never want to doubt someone, Josh. I mean, we've seen upsets in recent time that that have surprised us. I mean, I mean Jared Hurd just a few weeks ago, I was you know that's considered an upset, you know. And we've seen a lot of hap- a lot of stuff happen in MMA recently. Nothing, you know. We saw Brandon Moreno become UFC champ, and a lot of people didn't even. You know, think he was. You know, they didn't really have a lot of thoughts on him. There's a Davidson was coming out here, put him out because he was so strong and powerful. You can't write anybody off, man, at the at, at the highest level of of, of any sport. Mm, of course, of course. And so I, I'm not going to count him out by no by no measure. Uh, however, I'm going to go ahead and take Javante Davis. I just think I, I don't want to say on paper this should be a good this should be like a relatively clean win for him, but at the same time, it could I be a banger. Yeah, I mean, this should this should be a fun fight, but I, I just I do think he's a level above him. Um, but that being said, I'm I'm probably wrong. I don't know shit about boxing. Um, uh, it is outside of that though. Moving on, man. The other f- big fight this weekend. I'm personally way more excited for this one, but that's that's the not return, to man. Knock, yeah, that's not to knock Javante Davis and Mario Barrios. I'm just more of a fan of these two dudes. Vasil Lomachenko returning. 
Uh, for the first time since his loss is Tiafimo in October of last year. Uh, he's taking on Masayoshi. Well, he fought one time after that, Josh. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. He fought Felix uh, Verjo or, or Oh no, I'm thinking of someone. I'm thinking of his opposition. My bad. My bad. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. You're thinking of. It's just they're both oh, coming off that yeah, Tiafimo I mean, loss. They both fought Tiafimo, so. Um, yeah, and he fought. It's funny because he had one fight in between, and now he's fighting Loma. Okay, my bad. Yeah. So Loma is fighting for the first time since he lost to Tiafimo. He's taking on Mo, uh, Masayashi Nakatani. Obviously, Nakatani, like you said, is coming off of the win over Felix Verjo. 19 and one, only lost to Tiafimo. Both these guys only lost to Tiafimo, but man, very excellent, uh, an excellent fight. I believe it's going to be on ESPN Plus. Don't don't quote me on that. Uh, but overall, man, very very excited for this fight. What do you think about it? I am, man. It's you know, it's hard to pick against the Matrix, man. It really is. I'll tell you that. Even in that Tiafimo one, I mean, it was hard to pick it. I mean, we both picked Loma going into that fight, right? I think we I think we did, but we both said that it was going to be close. It was going to be real, and it did end up being close in the end. Mm-hmm. It so, was. Yeah. I think we're yeah. still on the same page, right? We're both going to pick Loma here. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm going to go ahead and take Loma. Um, Another I big really, high difference, by the way. 5'11.5 yeah. versus 5'7. Yeah, and, and look, I don't want to. I don't want to. Loma's write smart, it though. Hmm? I said Loma's smart, though. Oh, yeah, he is. And I also. I, let me be clear with. I want to preface by what I'm about to say by saying the TFEMA fight, uh, nothing is a fluke in fighting. Like, until. Like. Unless you're talking like a Megan Anderson, like defeating Kat Zingano because her toe went her went her eye when she did like a head kick, nothing is a fluke in fighting. But at the same time, I think if you ran that fight back between Loma and Tiafimo, I think we'd have a much different result. I think that was just Loma had a really bad night and Tiafimo had a great night. You know what I mean? Like he had a bad night at the office. I don't yeah. think he's levels below him or anything like that. I think you know what you know what I'm trying to say here. Like he, he's still excellent. Oh yeah, so. oh yeah, definitely. No, and twenty years young, man. Twenty-one years young. I mean, he had a hell of a performance, you know. Just to praise him a little bit. Yeah, it fucks me up whenever I see dudes like that, like Tiafimo, who's like, I mean, he's twenty-three, about to be twenty-four. Oh, like, that's what he is now. I knew he was like yeah, young. He's like 20, 20, like, I know he's, he's twenty something. Yeah, like I'm twenty, dude, and I'm just sitting on this fucking podcast, bro. Like, like it's it, it's okay, Josh. We'll find our own success. Once we're bigger than Joe Rogan, it'll be all good. We'll be like yeah. right at that level. Well, I don't know if we'll ever be bigger than Joe Rogan, because, you know, it's like, it's the Joe Rogan experience, you know what I mean? Well, one day it'll be the courtside sound off experience. Experience, yeah. Yeah, and then once we, like, blow up bigger than ESPN and, like, Fox Sports, we buy it out with all the fuck you money we have. With all the fuck you money. Yeah, like, that's, you know, you just give it some time, Josh. I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Jokes aside, we're both going to go alone here, we're both. Things can go on the Matrix, of course, and uh, I've always been a very, very big Loma fan, so I'm biased, of course. But and he's really fun to watch. I mean, it, that's the other thing too. I mean, as far as boxing, dude, there's some guys who you look forward to watching. They have an interesting style, but Loma's one of those guys you look forward to. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, and so, as far as that goes, my man, is there anything else you want to go ahead and say on the show before we close out? No, not this week, man. All right, sounds good. Uh, as always, guys, go ahead and support the show. Show our sponsors some love, Monkey Knife Fight, Rogue Energy. Follow me at Josh Shevinoff on Twitter. Uh, officially verified journalist. Just going to keep <clears throat> keep on saying that. Um, at Courtside Sound 1, he's at Angel Taking underscore 01. Uh, Courtside Sound Off on Instagram. Uh, and make sure to always, you know, 
like, subscribe. Give us a review on Apple. We I think we only have like four of them, so go ahead and uh, give us some more. Uh, but that's all I got. Peace and butt grease. Mouse click.